Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> What's up, everybody? <clears throat> Happy Tuesday. It's Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Uh, thank you for listening. Gosh, y'all, I gotta, I gotta tell you, you know, one thing that we're all, you know, united, no matter where you are in the world, listening to this, one thing that unites us all, it's a pain in the butt to buy a car. (laughs) Oh my God. See, I've been in sales. I I do kind of like, I work for a nonprofit now, but it's still like a sales position. And I've been in sales-like positions my entire professional career. Years and years and years of it. And I I know every trick. I've got lots of friends that were in the car business. Some I consider friends. Some are just like sleazy acquaintances. And it's got to be, no matter where you are listening to this, it's got to be. The worst. Even ordering off of these sites where they just deliver it and they cut out the salesperson. The worst. So that's what I'm going through. I'm trying to get... My wife and I both have large vehicles. I'm trying to get rid of my large vehicle and go down to something very small. Gets me just around town. Keep that hers for the trips and everything. So I don't know. I definitely don't want to ask for advice. I don't really need the advice. I know it sucks. (laughs) There's no advice you're going to give me that is going to make it suck less. It's just such a, such a pain. Um, anyway, I had to get that out of my system just to say that. (laughs) Uh, but we've got a great show for y'all today. Awesome suggestions from the legendary Anchorites. Awesome call-ins from Anchorites, folks just listening. And um, If y'all are just listening randomly to this and you're like, what is this guy talking about Anchorites? I don't get it. You know, there's a lot of folks that are podcasting here on Anchor. And uh, the reason being, it makes it really easy and it's got this awesome call-in feature where people can communicate with each other and leave messages on each other's shows. And it's growing. I'm seeing it grow and grow. There's folks that have new podcasts that I've barely checked out or haven't checked out at all. I think it's awesome. I gave up a couple weeks ago trying to keep up with everything. That's just not going to happen. But I'm definitely appreciative of uh, listeners, people checking out my shows, people leaving messages. You make the shows better, so... Don't stop, but uh, anyway, feels good to be an anchorite. Not so good to be, not so good to be shopping for cars. But anyway, enough of that negativity. Let's get into something fun. It's Top Three Tuesday show, where I'm doing top three lists on typically RPG related things. Sometimes we've been getting into some other topics, little music, little movies, and things like that, but. Uh, we got a couple call-ins coming your way. We're going to listen to those. I'll respond, and then we'll get on to the top threes for today. Here we go. Thinking about horror movies, and you've got me thinking. I really like movies like Poltergeist, but what I really like is psychological thrillers and like horror movies that don't actually show gore. So, for example, Bird Box is an example of this. I was surprised I liked that. I didn't expect to, but I did. 
I love a bunch of the work that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did together, like Shaun of the Dead and my very favorite one of theirs is Hot Fuzz. I mean, that movie, every time I watch it, I laugh out loud. And I know the jokes are coming and they're still funny. (laughs) So anyway, thank you for bringing this up. I don't think of myself as someone who likes horror movies, but you know, uh, there's a genre of them that I actually like a lot. Uh Uh-oh, I just thought of another one that I left off the list, Blair Witch Project. I think about what it was now, and I think, oh my gosh, that's so hokey. But you know what? When I watched that movie, it freaked me right out. Goodness, I have a lot to say this morning. It's Lyran again. You mentioned that your last segment wasn't gaming-related, like you almost felt guilty about that. I love that. It's not that I don't like hearing about gaming, it's that I like when people are fully rounded people and they don't just talk about one aspect of their life. It makes it feel more like a community and more like everyone is a whole person, not just whatever they're putting forward about their particular hobby. So anyway, I appreciate when you do that. All right, have a good one. All right, so you just heard from Lear and from updates from the middle of nowhere, um, a great, you know, not really gaming related podcast here on anchor, but she touches on a lot of things. And I like, I, you know, I really like Liren's perspective and, uh, and really supportive, um, of a lot of the folks podcasting here, which I think is important, which is really what's, what's holding everybody together and it not just being everybody being little islands. That's what makes it a community. So thank you for calling in Liren. Uh, first, as far as your last thing you said, yeah, you know, I mean, almost everything I talk about is going to be gaming related, but if I get off of the subject a little bit here and there, um, I'm finding that people can at least tolerate it. It's not, you know, completely killing my listener base. (laughs) So, um, uh, you know, and and that's one thing about you listen to a podcast for a while, you listen to, you get to know their personalities a little bit, you you know, and, and I think that's important. That's part, you know. Part of why you listen to, part of why I listen to people is I, I respond not just to what they're talking about, but I also kind of, I don't know, you don't know them, but you, you're getting to know a little bit about them, and and that's what makes it interesting, people interesting to listen to. But um, so yeah, first of all, love Hot Fuzz. Second of all, Blair Witch. People dog on it. I like Blair Witch, like the ending where the, the one guy's just like in the corner, you know, he's having to look at the wall in the corner. I, I loved that ending. I mean, it was a tremendous ending. You know, it's, uh, I even liked the, the recent remake deal that they did not remake, but it was a reimagining. It wasn't great. It wasn't anywhere. You know, it's not going to recapture the magic when that first one came out. I remember when that first one came out, I loved the viral marketing kind of way they did it. I, I, and, uh, you know, started a whole, whole trend. And now there are some horrible, you know, stinker, uh, found footage type shaky camera movies, plenty of, uh, imitation horror movies of that. But I, I liked Blair Witch, you know, I thought it was pretty good. As far as psychological horror movies, though, that aren't really gory, though, oh, you made me start thinking of all these ones I could have mentioned. You know, that's that's the problem with doing these top threes. Someone else will call in with their top three after or, or say something. I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of that. I'll tell you a couple of my favorite psychological ones. First of all, 
I love the um, the turn of the screw um, book novella or whatever, and the innocence was based on that. And I think it was uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh, what's the author? Wrote in cold blood. Uh, Truman Capote wrote the, you know, did the screenplay treatment of the turn of the screw novella for the movie, the innocence. It's like early sixties. I think it was 1961 and black and white. Fantastic. Love that movie. I'd say it'd be one. If it comes on TV, I won't turn it off, but it never comes on TV. It's one you just have to, to, to rent or buy. Um, but, if anyone's ever never seen The Innocence, that's a, just a classic psychological horror movie. This uh, lady, she's like the teacher, you know, at some English estate or Scottish estate or something that taking care of a couple of kids, and weird stuff starts happening. Another psychological horror movie that is very very similar, at least in premise, somewhat similar in premise. That's more recent. The Others with Nicole Kidman. How could I forget that one? Oh my gosh, I'm not gonna. Spoil anything about either of these two movies, but I imagine, you know, I would think that everyone has seen the others, but then you remember how young some people are, or how old I am, how much time actually has gone by between some movies. So if you've never seen the others and you like a good, you know, spooky psychological horror movie, my goodness, that that's a masterpiece. That is a masterpiece, uh, in my estimation, because uh, I did not see anything coming in that one. So anyway, thank you, Liren, for the call-ins. Appreciate you very much. Hey, Froth, I like listening to your horror movies. That's what I grew up watching as well. So lots of fun, scary movies. And Poltergeist is in my top five movies of all time. It's, I just love it. I, it still holds up. We watched it again recently. I freaking love Poltergeist. The first one. The other two, yeah. But the first one? fantastic i did not know that about the pg-13 i don't think that i did when you said it it sounded familiar but but at the same time it didn't if that makes sense i don't know i'm going back to dishes listening to podcasts hope you have a wonderful day whisk out just heard from ivy the happy whisk another one of the many awesome personalities podcasting here on anchor and uh who you know not exactly doing gaming related stuff again, but so fun to listen to. And, um, she's in the, I don't know, middle maybe of a, a 44 episode streak, an episode a day for 44 episodes. So you can check that out and, and, and wish her continued luck with that. But yeah, Poltergeist. Oh my God. You know, that movie probably made like, you know, a whole generation afraid of clowns. I've got a, this, a good friend of mine that I grew up with. She, uh, she's a, still a close friend. Um, you know, when I moved to like the Marietta area in fifth grade, uh, and when I started public school, she, she lived in my neighborhood and we met on the bus and we're good friends, you know, then, and then, you know, just throughout life, um, long, long time friend. Um, and she, she <laughs> hates clowns, hates them. So just on occasion, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put up a clown, you know, an evil clown pic on her, on her Facebook page or something, or there was this whole thing. I don't know. 
in, in America, at least a, a couple years ago where some people were like dressing as clowns and, you know, people were just spotting these, you know, evil clowns here and there. I forget what state that was in and probably spread to other states. But every time there was one of those news stories, <laughs> just be posting it on her, uh, on her Facebook. So, you know, she, she took it well, but, but, uh, yeah, poltergeist is a classic. Thank you for calling in. And, uh, uh that's awesome that you're into, uh, horror movies. Maybe, uh, maybe an idea for one of yours, you know, you said it's in your top five, top five movies, something like that. I'd like to listen to you talking about that, but thank you. Oh, froth return of the living dead. I love that movie so much. I remember when it first came out, they had television commercials for it. And the whole thing with the tar man or tar baby freaked me out. It's the part where he's chomping on, uh, the one dude, the one punk's brains, and he looks up at the rest of them as they come down the stairs. He just goes, more brains. It just freaked me out. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yep, that was my favorite. So, um, if you're familiar with any Italian horror movies, what would be your top three of those? Like Dario Argento. Lucio Fulci movies, Mario Bava, Black Sunday, all that fun stuff. All right, take care. Bye. Jim Yoder there from Random Encounters in the Library, another legendary anchorite. And uh, yeah, oh, I remember that commercial. Not only do I remember the commercial, I remember the exact song on the soundtrack. It was, do you want a party? Well, it's party time. While one's popping up out of the grave. <laughs> oh, I remember it. Absolutely remember it. Uh, I'll just do a little bonus top three here with the Italian horror. Um, you know, reason should tell me to put like Suspiria at, at, in the top three, which which is really good. And then you know it's tempting, tempting to put Fulci's Zombie in there. If anybody's out there hasn't seen Zombie, it's a you know it's got this classic scene with an eye getting. I getting pierced by a, like a splintered piece of wood. And then it's got this amazing scene of a zombie fighting a shark underwater. Uh, you read about the making of that scene and they tranquilize the shark and everything. Ooh, yeah. It's, I'm almost talking myself into putting zombie at number three, but there, there's other Fulci movies that I like a little bit better. Um, I think, and if man, Fulci's made some terrible ones though. So a couple of, if you've ever seen Manhattan Baby, that's one of the worst movies. And it's one where they started with a big budget and then all the budget got cut out from them. So it starts off looking like it's going to have a really nice budget. They're on, you know, I think they're like in Egypt starting it off. And then the budget just gets lower and lower throughout the movie. So it's it's amusing. It's fun. It's not good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a bad one in my top three anyway. So, you know, house by the cemetery is another terrible one. He did. That's worth watching. Just if you like terrible movies. Oh man. Um, but Fulci's best might be the beyond. So, but do I like it more than Suspiria? Hmm. You know, uh, Argento made some bad ones too. Um, 
Hmm. This is tough. I wanted to do it on the fly. Now I'm. If I was if I was just watching TV, would I rather watch Zombie, The Beyond, or Suspiria? I think I'll go with Zombie. No. I think I'll go with The Beyond. The Beyond at number three. <laughs> My other ones are easier. Number two, Hell of the Living Dead. Uh, Bruno Mattei, one of the most incompetent directors of all time. Uh, he did another movie about like rats taking a, like an apocalyptic rat movie that did a bunch of bad movies. In fact, some, uh, under a, an, an alias, but, uh, if you, if you thought zombie was bad, why do you watch hell of the living dead? I think I mentioned that one, but if, you can rent it through Netflix. If you like really bad, bad, bad horror, low budget trash, but with a lot of character. Check out Hell of the Living Dead. That's my number two Italian horror movie. And number one, it's a classic, Demons from 1985. If you've never seen Demons, you know, they're all caught in the movie theater. Oh my gosh, the gore. The gore is unbelievable. And this was directed by Lamberto Bava, who I think was like Dario Argento's um, cinematographer and everything. And I think he went on to do one of the... Uh, sequels to reanimator he did another couple things but demons from 1985 my easily my number one italian horror movie it's a masterpiece if you've never seen demons if you like gore you're gonna love demons so anyway just a quick bonus top three for y'all thanks to mr yoder there but yeah do you want a party it's party time <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors Hey Froth, Tim here. I've got maybe a top three, and I, I haven't listened to all your episodes, but the one I'm kind of interested in, and I like doing these kind of top threes, they are is blah. What are your top three monsters that you would have liked to use in game but haven't yet? So these are monsters that are in one of the you know any of the zillion monster manuals out there that you haven't had a chance to use in game yet. So. Maybe cue that one up one of these days. Thanks, Roth. Keep up, keep up the great work. All right. Now we're in the meat of the episode, and that's Tim Shorts there from Gothridge Manor. Um, if you're not listening to Gothridge Manor, great podcast. Also, Tim Shorts' Patreon is uh, oh, my favorite. First Patreon I ever backed. It'll be the last one I'll let go. Get goodies every month. Laminated cards, little mini adventures and zines and stuff. It's it's great. Got a lot of respect for Tim being able to keep that output of that stuff up too. That's incredible. You got to really want to do it, make time to do it. So, thanks for the call in. Great question too. Made me think about it. Some of these are almost. It's not even a specific. It's a whole you know slew of of uh, like a whole you know type genre of, of monsters. Um, but my number three thinking about it, I've never used Tiamat, you know, it's such famous, you know, chromatic dragon, all the heads and everything. So famous from the cartoon and everything. And, um, because part of it is never having players that be able to face Tiamat, but you know, the 5e, the first two, uh, adventures they released, you know, the long form adventures, um, 
deal with eventually facing Tiamat. And, you know, those get the most criticism, um, or the Horde of the Dragon Queen, and uh, I'm not going to be able to remember the other one uh, off the top of my head, but um, there, it's a it's a two, you know, it's two different books comprising one huge adventure, and it leads to Tiamat. And um, the uh, I know Steve Winter, who whose name should be known to a lot of people. Uh, um, was one of the writer developers on those adventures and they were writing them and coming up with them prior to having the full version of, of the five E rules, you know? So, uh, talk about a hand behind your back while you're trying to do it. And, and a lot of the complaints amount to, um, how much the work the GM has to do. And, but then when I read through them and look at it, it's, 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 it's kind of a good thing. It's you're not having your hand held, you know, it's like events and things like that, but it, it actually gives the GM a lot, a lot of freedom. And, uh, so I'm, I'm not nowhere near as critical of those adventures as I see some people are. And the, most of the criticisms are things that are actually like, um, uh, pluses in my book for them. So that's something I'd like to get to at some point, but for it to be such an iconic, uh, you know, monster, it's one that, um, that I, that I've never used and who knows if I'll ever have people high enough level to, to face Tiamat, but that would be one where, you know, crack your knuckles and just get ready to throw it all at the party. So I, uh, t- before I die, <laughs> I like to get Tiamat in there somewhere, you know, if anybody's ever run Tiamat, uh, in the old days or whatever, you know, send a voice message to me and uh, I'll put it on. I'd like to hear how epic that was. Number two, I'm going with just psionic monsters in general. It's not that I've never used some of them, but, you know, the rules are so, you know, the rules are not good. Um, they're confusing, and, and they, there's such a low chance by the book of uh, players having psionics. And, like, the, the mind blast, the psionic blast is the only psionic power that can be used against the non-psionic creature. So... Um, you know, I'll, I'll give like a mind flare or something. They'll have that psionic blast, you know, mind attack thing. Um, you know, pre-initiative. That's one of the things that makes them deadly because they can kill or confuse you or whatever. But it means that so many of the other monsters, like my beloved thought eater, you know, thought eaters never seen the table. Um, I guess they maybe have tweaked the rules for some of these monsters in the later editions and made them just have regular attacks, but whatever, like the brain mole and some of these other psionic creatures, these weirdo creatures that I love, you know, on paper, I've never, they've never, I've never put them in a game because we don't usually, you know, have any psionics. If I do use psionics at all, it's a monster that's got a high psionic rating and can do that psionic blast pre-initiative. So that's like, um, I believe it's Richard LeBlanc, though came out has got a couple of books out uh of like a psionic system for bx or bx games and um a monster manual sort of thing that where most of the monsters are psionic and i bought those straight to the shelf haven't read them so i want to revisit that this talking about this and your question made me think about that 
and see how Richard toyed with those rules. And, and I'm sure, given Richard's talent, that Richard made something um, usable out of them. So maybe I can get some of these psionic creatures in there and, and introduce psionics in my game using Richard's uh, system. Um, but anyway, so that, that'd be my number two unused that I'd like to get in there at some point. Cause I don't mind the idea of psionics. Like some people will talk about, nah, it doesn't fit D and D. It fits D and D fine for me. It's just that the rules are, uh, so weird and, uh, you know, making this whole separate, you know, pre-combat combat with the points and all this stuff, uh, just, um, and then making it so difficult. I mean, it's probably easier to roll bard, you know, 20 bards than it is to, to, um, to roll up a psionic character, I guess. But so that's my number two. And then my number one is demons and devils. And I, you know, I got to get high, you know, get them high enough level, but I'd love to do something with a classic, you know, nine hells. I know five E's doing something with the Vernus, but I've got the old dragons where, um, what's his name that did the forgotten realms. Oh my gosh. My brain today. Spent a lot of the day in this meeting where they, and then looking at cars and stuff, Ed Greenwood. Yeah. There it was somewhere in my brain, but he did this article on the nine hells. I wouldn't use it literally or anything, but you know, and I've used like little demons and devils. I've like, used rocks and you know, some low level stuff, but I'd like to get into these named demons, you know, Glacia or whatever. I was looking through my monster manual too. And we're, when I was preparing this and it's got all the named devils and demons and, and stuff. I'd like to use some of that. What are some of them? Oh yeah. Like Bale, the Duke of hell, you know, I'd like to mix him in the mix somewhere. And then, uh, you know, just Orcus or any of these. Meloc, the arch devil. I mean, how many tables have ever, ever had Meloc even on the table? So, you know, some of the low level stuff gets used, but the high level demons and devils, that would be cool. Do something really uh, dark and, and brutal once they get to high level. Um, so, and I like reading the lore. You know, I like the whole lore that sprout up around it. I'll, like I say, I like a lot of what Greenwood did with those, uh, the, the different levels of hell. I guess it was spread out over a couple of Dragon magazines. And I, I got those just for those articles. So I like that. So, anyway, so number three, Tiamat. Number two, more psionic creatures. Number one, let's see why we had, you know, the kind of thing that spawned the satanic panic, demons and devils. Thanks for the call in, Tim. Hey, what up, Froth? It's Joe. Uh, I just wanted to call and say, yeah, man, if you're, if you're seeing ducks in the living room, probably a good time to not run a game. Or maybe it's the best time to run a game. Uh, anyway, man. Uh, yeah, you know, I just also want to say there's nothing wrong with every now and then just chilling out and centering yourself. Like, I don't necessarily think it's a total waste of time or waste of life. Like, sometimes it's good. You got to collect yourself, get your energies back, get rested, and you come out better uh, the next day or the next little bit. So keep up the great work, man. You're killing it out here. Uh, you're awesome. And I don't know if you've already done this for Top 3 Tuesday. I don't think I've heard all of them yet, but uh, Top 3 Favorite Magic Items from First Edition. Okay, take it easy, man. Peace out. So that was Joe Richter there uh, 
podcast on the Wheel or Woe podcast. It's not on Anchor, but uh, one you can check out, Wheel or Woe. Uh, Joe and I share a, a love for uh, the Dice or Screaming podcast here on Anchor. I think we're the, the two people that call in on that show all the time. Um, and what Joe was talking about at the beginning there was uh, the reference to the duck and everything. was uh, When I didn't run my game the other day, I was so tired. I, I mentioned hallucinating a duck in my room. So, um, But great question. Um, top three 1E magic items. I guess there are probably in other additions too. I was tempted to go a number three with something. Like I like some that are just, you know, from or just kind of classic, not just a D and D like a ring of invisibility came into my mind. And then like a, the broom of flying, like a, you know, like a witch's broom and everything. And I even thought about just saying scrolls in general is my number three. Um, because I, I really like how scrolls, um, behave in, in D and D because you can give out the, the higher level ones and you know, the, you're, players are unlikely to want to save it for, you know, five levels or something. So you can introduce, you know, some really powerful spell that they can use at some point, but it's, and they're only going to get one use out of it. So, but, uh, I ended up going with something that I, I end up r- rolling randomly and giving to my players in a previous campaign, uh, the carpet of flying, you know, the, the, the classic flying carpet. And, um, they utilized it so well and they had so much fun on that thing. Uh, and just the joy that that flying carpet brought the players. Um, uh, it's, it's a, it's a powerful item, no doubt about it. Uh, um, but, um, they, uh, they passed around, you know, they take different turns with it, using it. They couldn't all fit on it, but, um, they love that flying carpet. So memories of that came flooding back as I was thinking about this. So, um, it's just a, it's just a really cool thing. And that's another thing from all the classic stories and everything. Uh, one of those items of wonder, the flying carpet, a carpet of flying. So I'll put that at number three, number two. It's not even that I like the item. It's cause there's just a story behind it, the sword of sharpness. And so the reason I'm putting the sword of sharpness there is because when we started playing all those years ago, um, this would have been circa 86, I guess. Um, we, you know, we didn't know the rules very well. And I, I've mentioned before, how we'd pass around the books, you know, somebody would be your night to get the books or get some of the books and it like a crappy night. I get stuck with the manual planes, you know, can't even understand what the hell it is. <laughs> if you don't understand the basic rules, you, you, you damn sure don't understand the manual planes, but, uh, we do these ridiculous Monty Hall kind of camp games, you know, and, uh, there'd be a lot of treasure given out. It'd be all about, Oh, you killed it. Okay. And then, you know, go into those treasure tables and the monster manual and everything. And, but I mean, even some of us, we still had lines we wouldn't cross, you know, but there'd be all these, there'd be games where we all play and there'd be individual games where one person would DM someone else, you know, they'd, Oh, you spent the night at this guy's house. Oh, you guys played, you know, and then they ended up with all this treasure, you know, it's just basically just giving the treasure away. And so my younger brother ended up with this sort of sharpness, you know, on one of these Monty Hall campaigns with another guy, a kid named Scott. 
had spent the night at Scott's house and they GM for each other and giving each other all this treasure, you know? <laughs> so he ended up with this sort of sharpness and my other friends, you know, said something to him about it and, and, uh, you know, was whatever dogging him a little bit about it. And he started crying about it. And, uh, we were at my friend's house and, and he, at the time his, his elderly grandmother lived in the house with, you know, him and his, his brothers and his mom. And, uh, her, her you know, she was lovingly known as Meemaw and I love Meemaw. Everybody loved Meemaw. She'd always, she'd make extra food and have it sitting out just knowing that we'd all be coming around and there'd be like extra food there for, for everybody. And she was just awesome. She actually is the one that had this huge button collection that we'd use for, for minis and everything. And, uh, so he, he, my brother started crying about it over this sort of sharpness and, uh, called for Meemaw, you know, Meemaw. And, uh, and from there, my friends other my brother had, had the spell summon Meemaw. <laughs> so you, you've got your sword of sharpness and this spell summon Meemaw. <laughs> so that magic item will always stick out of my mind. So, um, that's what I'm putting as number two. It has nothing to do with what the item does. It's not a particularly fast. I mean, it's a cool item. I mean, you, know, you can lop somebody's arm off or whatever, uh, lop off an append appendage, but, uh, it really comes down to that story that led to the summon me spell. And my brother still remembers that. Absolutely. And number one, number one, what is my number one magic item from first edition? The robe of useful items. And again, this is not the most powerful. It's not the most, uh, you know, amazing, you might roll it up randomly and give it to your players. And I don't know what the hell it is, but it, this all comes down to being able to pull a 12 foot long rowboat out of your pocket. <laughs> it's, it's just a, a when you think about, you know, real like stage magic and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, powerful magic items from all these fantasy books, or whatever, when you think of stage magic, this kind of thing, pull a rabbit out of the hat and all this, that's what the robo useful items is. Uh, open this up so that I can read it for y'all. Different things you can pull out of the robe of useful items. Bag of 100 gold pieces. Okay. A door. An iron door. Pull it out of your pocket from the robe. A wooden ladder. 24 foot long. <laughs> a mule with saddlebags. So, it's like, what you got in your pocket? Oh, let me reach around in here. Oh, here. I got a mule. <laughs> um... Uh, a rowboat, I mentioned 12 foot long rowboat, a couple of war dogs, you know, a large window and a bunch of other smaller stuff. But for me, I just love the, you know, what, what I got in here? Oh, it's, it's, what the hell? I feel like something down in here. Uh, it's a 12 foot long rowboat. <laughs> so that to me is just a very magical magic item, you know, um, a robe of useful items. That's my number one, uh, that immediately came to mind. And that's come up in my games a couple times. Unfortunately, the last time I, I rolled it, the player that got it ended up, uh, you know, getting eaten by the spiders and the party had to run away. And by the time they got back, nothing was left. So it was only in there for a minute. But uh, that's my number one. I, just something about it, uh, the pulling the stuff out of your pocket. A couple of dogs, a mule, 24-foot ladder. You know, what else you got in there, man? So anyway, Joe, appreciate the call in. All right, so that's going to be uh, the show for, for this week. I uh, 
I have a few more call-ins. I got one from uh, Colin Green, one from Free Thrall, and another one from Joe. I mean, uh, another one from uh, Mr. Yoder. And uh, they're all... Uh, none of them are actually gaming related. And um, I knew I was going to be spending a lot of time with the early call, um, you know, responding to call-ins earlier in the show. And I'm trying to keep these from, you know, blossoming into another hump day where they're hour plus long and everything. So uh, next week's show will be uh, totally, uh, you know, Liren mentioned liking hearing stuff that's not always gaming related or whatever. Next week's show is going to be Nothing gaming related. We're going to be talking about music and movies and fun stuff like that. So um, I'll be getting to free thrall calling and uh, Yoder's calls. I've been doing these in order. They I got them. So those are they. They actually uh, it ends up well that they're going to be kind of all fit together. Um, but um, if you, you I hope you you enjoyed listening. I, I love doing this show. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I love the back and forth. I love the call-ins and stuff. It feels like I'm you know, having a conversation with y'all in a weird way, but uh, I really appreciate uh, not only the feedback, but also ideas for the shows and just your thoughts on, on what I'm talking about. So uh, be sure and, and leave me a, a message using the voice message system on Anchor, or you can just uh, send me an email, frothsoffrothsof at gmail.com. There's also a contact form on the Thought Eater blog, frothsoffdnd.blogspot.com. I always want to make sure I'm giving a big thank you to the folks backing me on Patreon. Appreciate y'all tremendously. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much. Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Only a dollar a month. And I think, uh, oh yeah, hump day. Uh, this is one of those weird hump days. There was a lot of stuff at the beginning of the, uh, you know, right after I did the other one, like that Wednesday into Thursday and stuff, I was finding a ton of stuff. Kind of slowed down over the weekend. I'm not worried though. I know I'm going to have something. I haven't started laying it out yet, but that'll be the next thing you hear from me is the Hump Day Blogorama. And uh, Logan, where are you? Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.